Welcome to ADHD Love Parent Talk, episode 47. It's such a no-brainer. Find out if you have it. Your life can only get better. And by the way, there is no test for ADHD. People think, well, I got to go get tested. There is no test. The the closest thing is your history. Mm. And you can self-assess yeah. reading one of my books. If you see yourself in there, then you've got it. There isn't. People think there's a brain scan or a psychological <laughs> test. There isn't. We offer those. They provide additional information. But the best test is is to, well, you're doing it with Catherine's uh, clubhouse, you know, that yeah. list of 128 yeah. items. If you, if you answer yes to a lot of those, then you've got it. So the diagnosis is is a lot simpler than a lot of people make it out to be. And why should you do it? Because your life can change dramatically for the better. It can be as dramatic as getting eyeglasses. Hello, and welcome to the ADHD Love Parent Talk podcast. If you felt like you have been walking your path alone as an adult with ADHD or as a parent with children with ADHD, you are finally home. I interview parents and professionals, including doctors, coaches, educators, and so much more so you can not only learn more information about ADHD, I also want you to have tools that you can put in your toolbox as you're going through your journey. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of ADHD Love Parent Talk, where we talk about all things ADHD. I am so excited because I have a very special guest today. His name is Dr. Hollowell, and you would know him from writing quite a few books. He has written the Distraction series along with Dr. John Rady. Is it John, is John Rady, correct? Yes. So with Dr. John Rady and their best-selling book is called Driven to Distraction. But today we are actually going to dig into ADHD 2.0, which is their most recent book. And I'm going to do things a little bit differently because I get certain questions through my direct messages. I want to make sure that I hit some of those questions that are also in his book. But of course, I'm not going to go through everything because you have to read it yourself. So ADHD 2.0, get this book. All right. How are you, Dr. Hollowell? I'm well. How are you? How are you? Nice to be with you. I am fantastic. So I'm going to call you Ned since you gave me that permission, your nickname. And I just want you to take a... Go ahead. I'll call you. I'll call you Yakini. Absolutely, <laughs> that's perfect. <laughs> so, um, tell the audience, especially those who have not met you yet and are new to the ADHD world, can you tell them a little bit about yourself? Sure. I'm uh, 71 years old, even though I don't look it. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, um, I have ADHD myself, uh, as well as dyslexia. And I wouldn't trade either one for the world. If you manage these conditions properly, they have tremendous gifts embedded within them. Creativity, originality, entrepreneurialism, drive, big-heartedness, vision, tremendous curiosity, tremendous originality. All of that is embedded in both ADHD and dyslexia. I didn't discover that I had either of these conditions until I'd finished all of my schooling. I'd uh, gone to medical school. I'd done a residency in adult psychiatry, and I was doing a fellowship in child psychiatry back in 1981 when I heard a lecture about what was then called ADD, attention deficit disorder. And I said to myself, wow, that's me. And it was maybe the biggest aha moment of my life, you know, because I suddenly saw so much of myself explained 
in ways that I just had never, I'd never known that it was a syndrome that captured so much of me. And I also realized at that moment that the medical model, the deficit disorder model, left out all the good part. So it was just a list of pathology. It was just a list of negatives. And I said, no, it's leaving out all the good parts, all the parts about the creativity and entrepreneurialism. Yeah. And, and, and so I came up with an analogy that includes both the positive and the negative. I said, you know, we who have this condition have a Ferrari engine for a brain. We've got a race car for a brain, but we have bicycle brakes. Mm. But once we strengthen our brakes, then we're on our way to becoming champions. And, and that's been my career has been trying to deliver that message. Um, Along the way, uh, I got married in uh, 1988 to a woman I've been married to for going on 33 years. Nice. And we started having children. The first one came nine months after the wedding day. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> her name is Lucy. And um, then we had a, a second one, a boy. So Lucy's now 32. And the second, the boy, Jack, is 29. And the youngest, Tucker, is 26. And so... We had children, and then I started writing books, and Driven to Distraction came out in 1994, and uh, I've, I've written 20 more books since then, several about ADHD, but I've also written about worry, I've written about the power of connection, I wrote a book about forgiveness, I wrote a book about raising children, it's probably my favorite of my books, it's called The Childhood Roots of Adult Happiness, The Childhood nice. Roots of Adult Happiness, and I... I love that book. It's very short. And, um, you know, between raising kids and seeing patients and giving talks and writing books, it's been a full life, you know, and and, uh, and I still have time to watch stupid TV. And, and uh, uh, about a year ago, I started about six months ago, I started posting on uh, TikTok. If you told me before then, uh, TikTok, I thought that would have, that's a sound a clock makes, but right. uh, now I've got about 50 clips on TikTok nice. and they've, they've had about 5 million views and nice. they're, they're all related to ADHD. And, and uh, so I'm still delivering the message. I'm still the, you know, the itinerant preacher trying to convert people to realize what this condition is all about, that it doesn't mean you're stupid. It doesn't mean right. you're wayward. It doesn't mean you're undisciplined. It doesn't mean you're a bad boy, bad girl, uh -huh, uh -huh. bad adult, you know, all the, all the, all the mistreatment of children throughout history. I mean, most of the battered children throughout history have this condition, you know, and, and, but what, what they need is not punishment. What they need is understanding and, and right. strengthening of their breaks. So yeah. that's who I am. Uh, you know, I I love having this condition. It does pose problems, though, and I don't mean to I don't mean to whitewash that. You know, it, undealt with, ADHD can ruin your life. I mean, a, a big chunk of the prison population has undiagnosed ADHD. A big fraction of the addicted population, the unemployed, the marginalized the the underachieving you know i mean one of the real telltale signs of adhd is just underachievement whether it's a fifth grader or a 50 year old you know it, it's um if you're underachieving uh consider could i have adhd because it, it is a completely life-changing diagnosis it is a good news diagnosis because you go from you know struggling and wondering why 
to being able to achieve at the level right. you should, you know, when right. you get those breaks strengthened. And another analogy I use is getting diagnosed with ADD is like finding out there's something called nearsightedness and that there's such a thing as eyeglasses mm. and uh, your life changes, you know. Yeah, that, that is absolutely That's wonderful. Let me ask you something. You've been doing this for a very long time. Do you think our world has changed over those times? I mean, are people becoming more aware of ADHD and more accepting of ADHD? Definitely. When I came out with Driven Distraction in 1994, the first question I'd get asked uh, on a talk show would be, isn't this just a lot of hooey? Isn't this just a lame excuse for spoiled kids to get out of doing their homework? And don't they need spankings instead of, you know, the understanding? And and uh, and that was the standard message I'd get, you know, and, and uh, people or people would say, I don't believe in ADD. And, and my response was, it's not a religious principle. It's not a matter of believing in it. It's science. You know, we have hard science to prove that this is a distinct brain condition that you're born with most of the time. It's genetic. And, and that in 1994 was a tough sell. Now, almost everyone's heard of ADD. They still don't understand it. They don't understand what it is, particularly the positives. But they, the stereotype uh, of the hyperactive little boy is what most people think of. Right. Uh, so we, we've come a long way, but we have a long way to go. Stigma is still there. It's still not a good idea to reveal that you have ADHD at the, in the workplace because people, they won't take it as a good thing. Mm. They'll, they'll make it means you're unreliable or you're, you know, you're, you're a little bit crazy. And, and, and so you don't want to invite that kind of prejudice. Uh, now, I've been on national TV saying I have the condition. So, you know, I, I, uh, I'm perfectly at home uh, trumpeting it from the rooftops and being proud of it. And, right. you know, but we're not quite there yet. But we're a lot better in 2021 than we were in 1994. Okay. And way better than we were in 1954. I mean, it's only fairly recently that spanking kids has, you know, been frowned upon. It's only fairly recently that, you know, detention and these horrible punishments that uh, are totally counterproductive, you know, have, have been, um, have been, you know, have, have not as commonly used. Mm -hmm. So you said that you got diagnosed later on in life. What do you think or what can you share that has changed for you, whether you put strategies in place before your diagnosis to after your diagnosis? Well, you know, I'm not a great example because I I was lucky. I, I, I had wonderful teachers and I have a, a pretty high IQ. And so I, I excelled in school. You know, I went to Harvard and majored in English while doing pre-med and, and uh so I didn't have the struggle, the academic struggle that a lot of a lot of kids do. In that sense, I'm I'm not a good example. But the way my life changed was just I could explain, I could forgive myself mm. for being so impulsive. I could forgive myself. Now it's not an excuse. I still have to take right. responsibility, right. but it is an explanation. So instead of saying I'm weird or you know whatever sort of morally tinged adjective. I could say, look, I've got a race car brain with bicycle brakes. Mm -hmm. You know, I forget some things. I speed past some things. I spin out on curves sometimes, you know. So I don't have as much control over my mind. 
But there's a positive to that in that I'm very creative, very industrious, very uh, daring, you know, willing to take on chances. And, and, and that comes from this too. So it, it, it helped me understand myself, forgive myself, reward myself, like yeah. myself. I like who I am, even though I make mess piles and not always on time and do things in an unconventional way. I like me. And I didn't always like me because I, I thought, you know, I should be more more like Joe Normal. And, and long ago, I gave up that quest. Uh, Joe Normal, I'll never be. But that's okay. And, and the, the, the person I am has contributed a lot to this world. You know, uh, my books have sold over 2 million copies. And I've, you know, I've, I've, I've reached a lot of people with a really good news message. You know, it has nothing to do with politics. Uh, you know, it's just good news, just plain good news. And, mm. and if you don't, if you have this condition and don't know it, your life can only improve when you find out that you that you have it. Mm. So in this age we live in that's full of division, this is a unifying message. This is a mm. message everyone can get behind, you know, whether you're a red state or a blue state or a, you know, orange state, you know, whatever, whatever, you know, your allegiances lie, this condition, this diagnosis is, is good news. No matter what age, my oldest patient was 86. And he said the treatment changed his life. He was able to write the book he'd wanted to write his whole life long. So, you know, and the youngest diagnosis usually around age four. So, you know, although I've had moms say they could diagnose it in utero, you know, they could just feel this kid was <laughs> right. <laughs> jump out of her belly, you know, and, and, uh, and the thing is, the people who have this condition, unless they've been beaten up and, you know, abused, we tend to be a lot of fun. We, we tend to be, you know, upbeat, positive, funny, inappropriate, yes, but, uh, you know, appropriate gets to be boring after a while, you know, and, and uh, you know, and, 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 and we don't do boring very well. So, no. you know, so we're the ones who, disrupt a little bit and make other people laugh. And we're very willing to be laughed at. You know, I, I'm, right. I'm, uh, you know, I'm the first to admit, oh, gosh, I stepped in it this time, didn't I? And, you know, and, and, and so we don't, we tend not to be um, difficult, you know, unless we've been mistreated, and then and then we can have quite a chip on our shoulders. Yeah, and it's funny you say that, because I remember when I was younger, being very sensitive when I was picked on, right? And I didn't like being laughed at. But after a while, it was just like, why do I, Why am I so upset? This is funny, right? <laughs> so exactly. I, I just laugh with them. And yeah, so things changed. But one thing I wanted to share is I hear that quite a bit where people do really well in school. I did really well in school. Mm -hmm. I have a few degrees and but still, I just didn't understand why I did some of the things that I did. And so mm -hmm. when I got my diagnosis, it just made everything click. <laughs> it just all came together. So for me, it was validating. And, and it yes. was also a way to connect with my children, too. So if I was diagnosed, we would be you know, in this together. So yeah, so I can really see that there's people who tell me all the time that they did well, and that's why they were missed but they still like me were struggling with certain things so and that's that's you're a you're a member of the the largest undiagnosed group adult women mm -hmm. and throw in black is probably i don't know the statistics but i'm sure that too so you're you're very lucky how did you find someone who diagnosed you 
So um, I actually, so it was during the pandemic. So I had to go through online services. And so there was a new service called ADHD online. And when I got all of my paperwork back, I took it to the children, my children's psychologist to have him review it. And he says, yep, this is your ADHD. So I'm diagnosed with ADHD, not with a specific type, but I am diagnosed with the comorbidity of anxiety and depression. Mm -hmm. Well, very often the anxiety and depression occur in the wake of the untreated ADD. It's depressing because you're underachieving. So that's the depression and the anxiety. You don't know how you're going to screw up next. So, (laughs) so you've got, so, but once you take care of the ADHD, very often the depression and anxiety go away. So you don't need antidepressant medication or anti-anxiety medication. And, and, um, and yes, you got, you didn't, aside from the fact you're a woman and you're black, you were doing well. And so that's another reason. What do you mean you couldn't have this condition? You're doing well. I've had people tell me you couldn't have it. Well, that's not true. There are Nobel Prize winners who have ADHD. Right. You know? So you, you can be absolutely off the charts in terms of achievement and still have it and still benefit from learning about it. And, you know, so you paid the price for being so smart. You paid the price for doing well. Namely, people didn't think that you might have this. And now, now you feel understood and recognized and, you know, it's a big weight off your shoulders. It is. It truly is. So I want to dig into ADHD 2.0. So can you just real quickly just um, share why did you guys decide to write this book? Well, it had been 2005 was the, the, the most recent ADD book we'd written called Delivered from Distraction. Mm-hmm. And so it was time. A lot had happened in those 16 years that was new. And, and so we, we decided we'd, uh, you know, write a, it's not an update of Delivered. It's a completely new book in, in its own right. And we also, we wanted to put to rest the deficit disorder model. So we, uh, we invented a new term instead of ADHD, which is totally inaccurate. We invented the term VAST, Variable Attention Stimulus Trait. And that's what we offer, you know, instead of saying you have attention deficit disorder or hyperactivity disorder. No, you've got a vast mind, variable attention stimulus trait. So we see it as a trait, not a disorder. And we wanted to establish that. Can it be a disorder? Yes, as I said, but it also can be a tremendous asset. So, you know, I I tell folks I don't treat disabilities. I help people unwrap their gifts. Okay. And, and that's that's my, my basic approach. So so we wrote the book because we wanted to introduce the term vast, but also there were some new developments in the in the cerebellum we wanted to talk about, in the role of creativity, we wanted mm. to talk about the role of exercise, we wanted to talk about and the default mode network we, we wanted to talk about. So these were all new developments since okay. 2005 that we wanted to bring to the general public. And to make it even more uh, delectable, uh, we made it the shortest book we've written. So I, I the book I handed in had uh, 125,000 words, and the book that got published had 50,000 words. Wow. So we cut, I cut more than half of it, which was painful for me to do, but it was bariatric surgery on a book. And, and uh, so the this book, the, the meat of it is only about 100 pages. So, you know, it's it's very short. 
very ADD friendly. And right, um, <laughs> right. Yeah. It is so ADD friendly. And it's so funny because, you know, I'm on chapter seven and I looked forward. I said, wait a minute, this only goes through, I think it's chapter nine. <laughs> like, yeah. this is awesome. Yeah. I'm almost done because <laughs> exactly. it takes exactly. me forever to read books. <laughs> so oh, me too. you probably have a dyslexia like me. <laughs> I was like, yeah. oh, this is crazy. So I want to ask you, like I said, just some questions that I get that also are related to some of what you talk about in your book. So the first question is, one of the things that you had um, talked about is the ADHD traits and how they contradict, right? And so you have your lack of focus, and then you have your hyper-focus, you have your procrastination, and then you have your, you get your week's worth of work done in like an hour, right? How do people deal with that? Because we talk about that all of the time. How do we as ADHDers deal with that? Well, once you know you have it, it becomes a lot easier to deal with it. So you're, you're not just the prisoner of chance, you know, you're not being buffeted by the winds. And so, you know, if you're a procrastinator, you can try to build in structures, reminders, and and you can say, I'd, I'd rather get it done early than, than wait until the last minute and, you know, get it done in a fit of adrenaline. The big things you can modify, the two, I think the two biggest things are marry the right person and find the right job, or if not marry, be with the right person. Because uh, a lot of people, a lot of people with ADHD fall for train wrecks. And um, for two reasons. Number one, we're, we're drawn to high stim and train wrecks are very stimulating. And number two, we're born saviors. So we think we can save them. You know, we have the magic uh, solution when we can save him. So, so I, I try to urge people to, you know, not fall for a train wreck. And, and then the second thing is find the right job, you know, and, and to, we tend to do best if we're our own boss. We tend to do best if we're creatively challenged. You know, we, we are natural entrepreneurs. We're natural risk takers. Um, we, we love, uh, I mean, you told me before we started, you, you do real estate and uh, the podcast and those are both entrepreneurial, you know, so you're, there's, you don't have any guaranteed income, you know, but if right. you make a sale, you get a big windfall. So, you know, and, 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 uh, you know, so it's, and, and we like that, you know, we're, we're not the people who must have a weekly paycheck and, you know, take that and bury it under our, uh, a rock. We're just naturally um, born to create and build. So marry the right person. And again, not necessarily marry, but hook up with the right person and then find the right job. And then try to cultivate the company of people who like you. We have another terrible tendency to listen too closely to criticism. And we can actually draw into people who put us down a lot. You don't need that. You don't need that. Walk away from them. Let let them gossip with each other and say whatever they want. But uh, we need to. We need what I I had a friend who said, "Be a dream maker, not a dream breaker." You know. So try to associate with dream makers, and you know, not wildly crazy dreams, but maybe one or two wildly crazy dreams. But you know, you you, you always want to have hope, and we we thrive on hope, and we're good providers of hope, and we're good consumers of hope. And, you know, lived right every single day you're alive is a chance for something cool to happen, you know, you know, and, and it can be as simple as 
smiling at someone who's scowling and you get a smile out of them and that feels really good. Yeah. Or it can be something big like you just sold a house or you're about to close on a house, you know. So, you know, so but every day you should have the opportunity for something cool to happen. And and I think, you know, chance favors the prepared mind. If you look for it, it's there. I mean, I happen to believe in God and 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 I just think if you look for evidence of God, you'll find it. If you don't, you sure that's it's in, he's invisible or she's invisible. So you know there, nobody can prove it. But I just think there's a force with us always, and if we'll invoke it, we can feel it, and we can you know take strength from it. Though I mean, I'm not here to convert people to anything, but uh, <laughs> I, I just think it's you know it's it's sort of congruous, you know, that I would believe in God. Yeah. Yes. One thing that stuck out to me is. I used to attract people or go after people that I needed to fix, right? That I wanted to help. And yes. I would go down this horrible mental spiral because I'm always trying to help them when they stayed in the same place that they were. And it didn't matter yes. if it was relationships or friendships. I used to do it across the board. And then one day I woke up and said, I can't do this anymore. And my life on that piece mm -hmm. has been so much better. <laughs> Good so much better. Good for you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, it's just we're we are born saviors. You know, we are born fixers, and, yeah. and we which that's great on the one hand, but it can be a recipe for disaster on Correct. the other hand. Correct. So you had mentioned vast, and but in your book you have when you talk about vast, you also put vast or ADHD. So just to right. be clear, it's the same concept but called a different thing. Yes, yes. We just renamed ADHD vast. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. And I I don't have any illusion that that'll become universally accepted, mm -hmm. but I just like to give people an alternative to this completely inaccurate deficit disorder term. I mean, I don't want to tell a kid you've got attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. What a mouthful of yuckiness. <laughs> You know, so I'd much rather say you've got a race car brain with bicycle brakes or variable attention stimulus trait, which he won't understand either, but but I can explain it to him or her. Race car brain with bicycle brakes. And, um, you know, another analogy I use, it's like Niagara Falls. Until you build a hydroelectric plant, it's just a lot of noise and mist. Uh -huh. So I'm in the hydroelectric plant business. And when you build that hydroelectric plant, you can light up the state of New York, you know, so... So it, it's uh, harnessing your energy is basically harnessing your creativity. That's gotcha. that's the that's the challenge. Love it. So as well question. as the oh, go ahead. No, go no ahead. as well as the opportunity. It's it's both a challenge and an opportunity. Yeah, it is definitely. So another question that I get is, I mean, you told a, a uh, or you both of you told about a story between a couple, and one of the and what I got out of it is. Some people, I hear this all the time, are afraid to share that they have ADHD, whether it's with their partner, spouse, or whether it's with their family. So what is your view on people who are trying to make that decision on, they found out they're diagnosed with ADHD, but they're not sure if they want to share that or not? Uh, learn enough about it that you can explain it clearly and then share it uh, with people who you want to understand you better. I mean, you know, there, if, if you're in a workplace and you know, I, I, I don't think you should share it unless you're very confident in your job because people will misunderstand it. 
but a close friend or a spouse or a relative, by all means, share it. It's good news. Mm. It's your way of explaining who you are and why you are the way you are. You know, your, your quirks as well as your genius. You know, most people with ADD have a little hidden genius inside of them. Love it. So another thing that you had mentioned are different techniques that can help people with negative self-talk. That's the one thing that, like, especially one of my children, actually both of my children, one worse than the other, used to just constantly talk negatively about themselves, especially if they did something wrong. And it took years to get them to the point that they are today. But it was really interesting to hear you talk about different techniques to come down from negative self-talk, like standing on one leg or blowing your nose. Why do these different things work? It's to disengage from the negativity. Mm. There's something very compelling about negativity. You don't say she was riveted in contentment. Contentment is too bland. But you do say she was riveted in self-hatred, in anxiety, in images of gloom and doom. They're gripping. It's like the accident at the side of the road, only in this instance, the accident is your life. And, and so you're, you're heaping on yourself. And so what you need to do is redirect, redirect your attention to anything else, anything else. Hmm. Uh, but it's got to hold your imagination. Okay. Don't feed the demon is, is what I say. Don't feed the demon. Okay. Don't feed that negative monster with your attention. That makes sense. So is it almost like deflecting? I mean, is it, is it so like, for example, with my child, if I see him go down this path, I try to get him to do something else. I just deflect it, something right? Else. Get him out of that yeah. situation. <laughs> throw, a, throw him a baseball or, or, you know, give him a cookie or, you know, talk to him about something that he's interested in, you know, and, and uh, don't try to analyze the negativity because you always lose. Uh, just, you know, just redirect. Don't, don't engage the demon. Don't feed the demon. Okay. Makes sense. Um, so the last question that I had for you is something that's really important to me is the connection piece. And one thing that you talked about is the lack of connection can really hurt those with ADHD. So why is it so important for those, especially those who have ADHD to connect? Well, it's important for everyone, you know, and, and we've really learned that during the pandemic, how, how much we need connection. I call it the other vitamin C, vitamin connect. Mm -hmm. But particularly for those of us with ADHD, because we often feel so different. We feel so disconnected. We feel so on the outside looking in. And so we're desperate for it to the point where we often create a false self, uh, you know, trying to pretend to be someone we're not because we mm -hmm. think we'll be more accepted. And of course, you don't want that. That's a very lonely place to be, to yeah. have a false self, you know. So we really need connection. But when we get it, we blossom, we thrive. It's like watering a dried tree, you know, it just comes to life and yeah. flourishes. And so, you know, the more connection, the better. That's one of the things that I'm trying to teach. Um, my daughter really understands that connection piece, but that's one thing I'm trying to teach my son is about that connection piece. And we're still working on the stage where he even just needs to learn how to connect, right? He isn't even afraid to connect. But when he does, he realizes 
how great that feels and how important that feels. So that's something that we constantly work on. And he's young too, but um, that's something that we constantly work on in our household too. Yeah. It's, it's not easy. <laughs> it's not easy. Not easy, no. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So there was one thing I forgot to ask you. You did um, touch on it in the beginning, but there's a quite a few people who don't know if they even should bother getting diagnosed, whether they are tested, whether they are adults like me who have been dealing with, they've been dealing with for many years, or whether they should get their child tested because of all the stigma and labels. What is your advice to people like that? Oh my gosh, it's such a no-brainer. Uh, find out if you have it. Your life can only get better. And by the way, there is no test for ADHD. People think, well, I got to go get tested. There is no test. The The closest thing is your history. Mm. And you can self-assess yeah. in reading one of my books. If you see yourself in there, then you've got it. There, there is no, people think there's a brain scan or a psychological test. There isn't. Right. We offer those, they provide additional information, but the best test is is to, well, you're doing it with Catherine's uh, clubhouse, you know, that yes. list of 128 yes. items. If you, if you answer yes to a lot of those, then you've got it. So the diagnosis is, is a lot simpler than a lot of people make it out to be. And why should you do it? Because your life can change dramatically for the better. It can be as dramatic as getting eyeglasses. And there's nothing to lose, you know. If the medication doesn't work, stop taking it. If you don't like what it does, stop taking it. And you don't even have to take it at all. You can use the array of non-medication interventions. So put aside your fear, put aside the stigma, replace ignorance with knowledge, and your life will definitely improve. So I know I said one last question, but this is more of a side question. Do people get your jokes? <laughs> Do you laugh at yourself? <laughs> I find out that I just like my own jokes and people don't always laugh at them. <laughs> sometimes they get them and sometimes they don't. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. My jokes can be pretty uh, bizarre, you know, so, so the bizarre ones sometimes go right over someone's head but uh, oh. or under someone's head, I don't know, right. or around someone's head, you know. But, uh, it never uh, fails. But, but, yeah, the, there's a lot to laugh about in our world, that's for yeah, sure. It is. It is. And you have to, right? You have to balance it with laughter. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Ned, I am so glad. I am so glad that you took the time to talk with me. If people have any more questions, how can they get a hold of you? The easiest thing is just go to my website, drhallowell.com. It's just D-R, no period, D-R-H-A-L-L-O-W-E-L-L.com. Okay. And, and if you can they find me on, go ahead. You can find me on TikTok. You can find me on Amazon. I'm easy to find. Okay. So the book is everywhere too. Yes. Yes. Yep. Awesome. Yes. So everyone, you definitely need to check this out. ADHD 2.0. This is such a great book and a very easy read. So again, Dr. Hallowell, I so appreciate your time and thank you for coming on. Thank you, Yakini. <laughs> All right, everyone, that concludes another episode of ADHD Love Parent Talk. Bye, everybody. Bye, Ned. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on another episode of ADHD Love Parent Talk. If you enjoyed this episode, please do not forget to leave a review and join me as I talk with another exciting guest next week. Have a wonderful day.